Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Kind of continuing one of my last interviews. We we partnering this together. It's like the Black Love series now. We got <laughs> uh, we got marriage, matrimony, uh, a wife and a husband. One is, uh, as we know, someone that is in the neighborhood as a property owner right here. Uh, I call it like the, the 12th Street neighborhood, the Rosa Parks neighborhood, the square, as he may call it. Mm-hmm. And... The other is also an entrepreneur, a whole different world of it. Monda yeah. Mims, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, you are a creator as well. Yes. And very creative. Yeah. You are a content creator. That's what I call like podcasting, YouTube, uh, graphic design for the internet and internet consumption. But you also are a creator by hand with handcrafts. Yes. And the one handcraft that people are looking at, you see little homies. I always yeah. call kids little homies. <laughs> yeah. um, the infants. Yes, I got two of the little homies here with us today. Uh, and <laughs> they're actually called Reborn Dolls. Mm-hmm. So um, what a Reborn Doll is, it's just a baby doll that has been painted, hand painted, realistically, to have all the characteristics of a newborn baby. And very realistic because I've been sitting the whole interview with Miguel thinking to myself, like, these are the most quiet infants on earth in the car seats and everything. Yes. These are baby dolls. These are baby dolls. These are baby dolls. And I just buy the blank vinyl pieces and I bring them to life, try to give them as much depth and realism as possible. Um, They have... um, Traits of a real baby like the capillaries and they have the milia and, you know, all of the things that a newborn baby would have. You even see them. They're even weighted to feel like a baby. OK, now let, let, we definitely will get into that. We're going to start the Detroit is different classic okay. way. Then we're going to venture into that because that's extremely creative. Thank and you. when you talk about like that world, I didn't I didn't know that world existed for people in general, let alone black people in that world. You know, so we <laughs> definitely got to get into like how you got into that. And then also the creativity of painting and, and where that started. Okay. But let's connect this whole story. Detroit. Okay. Uh, what's what's your family's tie to Detroit? Well, my family, um, I was born and raised on the west side of Detroit. My family is from the south, um, Alabama, Mm -hmm. but my mother was raised here in Detroit, so I was raised here. She was raised on the east side of Detroit, and she went to Southeastern High School. S.E., a juggler. Yes, so, Mm -hmm. um, but... I was born and raised on the west side, uh, went to Mumford High School, and um, I've always been creative. Um, It started out with just hair, you know, so I've, I've always deem myself as a creative person Mm -hmm. but um just being here in the city you know single parent my mother didn't have much money so we had to create our own style so you know as far as the dress as far as the hair as far as even the toys that we had we didn't have the ataris or the sega genesis or the nintendos Mm -hmm. so we did we played rock teacher double dutch you know uh, chinese jump rope so you had to be a little more creative when you didn't have the monetary means to get some of the other things that you can just purchase so the creativity started at a really young age and and with it that's unique that you brought that up because 
even me as a kid, like uh, even with a couple, like, you know, I would have the, the G.I. Joe and mm-hmm. then I make like these bobby pin men with my, <laughs> that my mom <laughs> would have. So like bobby pins and then I wrap rubber bands around yeah. two legs and everything. Mm-hmm. So like that creativity of playing with toys mm-hmm. was a whole lot of like almost creating a whole universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connected to that and then even creating these um places and spaces where the toys would be yes it and, was an escape yes yeah and, and, and then just like unbridled creativity of using your imagination to tap into a whole new world uh i think that's the beauty of a child but usually as we grow older we cut that innocence off that. exactly exactly um what kept you so creative as you continue to grow uh into like painting and, and things like that I think always striving to be different. I think that's what drew me to my husband. Um, Our slogan for our ice cream truck is something different. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking to strive to create and be something different. You know, you... I don't, there's nothing wrong with being average or normal or ordinary. That's not what I'm saying. But for me, I want to go above that. I want someone to say, wow. Uh, I got that same outfit, but I never thought to wear it like that. Mm. Or, you know, I do that, but I never thought to do it like that. Or mm. that's that's different how you did it like that. So I, um, not the recognition from someone else, because that's not what I'm looking for. I just do it because I want to look different than how Yourself. you looked in yours. Yeah. You know, it's all about pleasing me and keeping me happy and me up in my game to the next level, mm-hmm. only to myself. I'm not... I'm my biggest competition. I'm not comparing myself to you. I'm not trying to outdo you. I want to outdo myself. So hmm. you made a beautiful baby and I, I'm looking and I'm peeping it, but I'm going to do something different wow. to take it that next step. Now, now within that, that kind of bounces me back to West Side. What, what neighborhood of the West Side were you growing up in? Seven Mile, Seven Mile in Wyoming. Went That's to unique. High School. It like, okay. And, and, and for non-Detroiters that, and it's a lot of non-Detroiters yeah. that listen to this, Seven Mile is almost like a, um, it's like a a, a, a looming legend. Yes. For, but people from this neighborhood are like, oh man, Seven, Seven Mile. Mile yes. It's like it, it's people, it's people from, uh, it's people that live right next to Six Mile, like one block up, and say, I'm Seven Mile. You yes, know? yes. People from Southfield that be like, you know, I went down to my grandma's house all the time. Mm-hmm. Now I live on Seven, on Mile. Seven Mile. It's mm-hmm. like we we Linwood, we we Twelfth Street, you know, but. It's a culture. It's uh, a culture. What what uh, what era? When did you uh, when did you graduate from Mufford? Nineteen ninety six. Okay, so ninety six. That was like a different. Uh, that was like a different feel, even over there. Yeah. Uh, more businesses. Uh, a lot, as we know, black businesses. Uh, we we think of Greater Grace. Mm-hmm. That was still over there at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, if people know, like Greater Grace is a huge church now, but then it, like that looming mm-hmm. uh, uh, figure that it was. What was it like growing up in that neighborhood as a kid? Man, growing up in that neighborhood and my husband, he got like seven and a half years on me. But mm-hmm. that seven mile in Wyoming area, it was a lot of black businesses. Yeah. On Wyoming, I don't know if you remember the Brothers Daycare, but they had the Brothers Daycare, they had the Brothers Barbecue, and they had the candy store. Mm-hmm. All on one strip, all black owned. You know, so I grew up looking at black entrepreneurs. My yeah. mother, she worked for the city, and I always seen her work, but I always seen her hustle. 
mm. outside of work for herself and for her family. So mm. it was kind of embedded in me to always know that you got to do something different. You know what I'm saying? And don't think that you can't do it because look at these people around you. Hmm. They doing it, you mm. know, so. And and then even like that community, especially then, like you say, it was more businesses as businesses are shifting, but more mm -hmm. storefronts that people can interact with. I mm -hmm. think a lot of uh, black entrepreneurs kind of get into more like my field nowadays, yes, like yes. The consulting in the professional field. But mm -hmm. back then, it was a lot of businesses that were transactional face to face mm -hmm. yes, where exactly. all people could be welcome. Yes. Only some people want marketing. Everybody's gonna want to go buy some candy. Yes. Everybody's gonna want to get a cake made. Yeah. Uh, yes. For, everybody for, gonna eat. So. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's gonna eat some barbecue. Yeah. And daycare exists because kids exist. Exists exactly. Uh, so, uh, so seeing this in that, uh, what, what was the confidence, uh, or was, or was it even like a confidence scene that you understood that like this neighborhood it kind of is so different than certain places in the country. As, and as a child, my mom worked for the city and she it took us to different neighborhoods mm -hmm. like she um, she worked uh, close to the Brewster projects. OK, and she worked uh, close to uh, Weigel Recreation Center and mm. Johnson's Recreation Center. So I always deal with different environments, different kids, always urban kids, but I always deal with different kids and I always got to see, you know, different things. So I wasn't put in a box, mm -hmm. um, which allowed me to adapt and allowed me to take from different people, all a part of the same culture, but it allowed me to adapt. You know, I was able mm -hmm. to go over here and if they was doing this, I can fit in or I can learn, you know, and then I went over there. I can tell these people what I learned and I can incorporate that yeah. to what we doing. So. And it's a it's a cultural difference. It's yeah. like Detroit is an east side, west side city. Mm -hmm. There are some differences, um, but with those differences comes like a, a a different feel. So your mom worked for the city. Did she work in the recs department? Yes, she worked in the recreation department, parks and recs. So wow, and that was actually back when the city funded that all directly. Right all now, directly. it's uh, yeah. it's some state funding that yeah. goes into that, and things have been broken down, and things yes, have been transitioned. Yeah, the program isn't as big as it used to be. No, I mean I took modeling classes, I took taekwondo classes, I took cooking classes, everything. I went to work. It wasn't no staying at home in the summer. My mom worked at the center i went to work with my mom wow. you know the whole summer she always had us into something always had us doing something because even um like i remember the time uh my my like uncle was big on like one summer like my cousin would come up and, and then he'd be like we going to joseph walker williams and it's yeah. like oh, williams man, we gotta go to joseph center, walker yeah. williams all the time and dexter amherst was still active like mm -hmm. these different community centers is right now that conversation of defunding the police yeah uh, exists and defunding does not mean abolished to a lot of people. It just means funding these rec centers because yes. if it was more to do, if there were more job opportunities, if there were other things to do, it diverts Less a lot of the needs for policing. Yes, exactly. Because over this time, uh, our recreational centers have been stripped. And yes, we think about absolutely. neighborhoods like, like this neighborhood. If you're a kid, you will have to, like, if you want to play an indoor game of basketball. I, I the closest one would be where I we go to sell probably the ice cream. Northwest, Northwest Activity Center. Yeah. 
Or North uh-uh, not Northwest High Activity School. Center, where they do the ice skating, where we go and sell the snow cones to that oh, park. But- Butzel. Yeah, and Butzel, I mean, when we think about being a kid, you're crossing so many neighborhoods. Yeah, you're crossing so you many get neighborhoods. You may get into seven fights before you can play your pickup game yep. of basketball. Yep. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, eh, I'm going to be in the house. But also the culture of video gaming exists. Do you think that, uh, like, what's your mom's take or what's your take on, like, do kids, do you think kids even want to be outside <laughs> and active as much today or would they rather... Uh, be playing Call of Duty. <laughs> they would rather be playing the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's why we have so many kids that deal with obesity. You know, when we was kids, we couldn't wait. I remember my mama telling me, no, it's too early. You can't go outside. You know, mm-hmm. you, you not going outside. Yeah. And then having to call you back in because you didn't want to come in. Yeah. But these kids, you have to be like, turn the game off. Go outside. Go play. Go be a kid. You know? Mm. Everything is right at their fingertips, so they don't want to exercise anything else. And I and I also tell people this when people say you have some good leadership abilities and you communicate with people like Mm -hmm. a lot of that, I think, comes from being a kid playing Mm -hmm. because we knew like you had to interact with. Like to play a good game of of high go seek or Mm -hmm. freeze tag, you interacting with like 13 kids. Yeah. And that's 13 different personalities. Yeah. You know, so like you don't want one person to quit because if they quit, then that's going to affect another person. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to get into a fight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, I just want to play hide and seek. Mm -hmm. So you would almost have to be like a a politician. Mm -hmm. The person that don't want to be it all the time. You got to talk them (laughs) off the ledge. Look, now you lost the coin toss. But these are skill sets that apply in in personal communications like when we talk about like younger people nowadays it's so much different the way they even communicate even when my staffers here like the 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 people that help me with engineering like some of them it's like okay they just you know like you'll see them face to face they'll say four words and then you'll walk away and then i have like 40 pages worth of text messages where it's like dude we we could have had a conversation about this (laughs) yeah but i don't think sometimes of like they may not even they don't have the same experience. Right. They grew like, up in a whole different yeah. era or culture. Yeah. Like even breaking, like I remember, uh, and this is something your husband spoke to, like when you stop and you break to say, all right, let's go get a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. If you, if you with seven kids and you know, two of those kids don't have money for chips, that will either be a fight. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's either going to be a fight or you got to buy some chips for them. Mm-hmm. or You got to buy the big bag mm-hmm. and, and shit like it's going to be certain situations where you have to keep in mind mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Exactly. You know, if they grandma sick, it's like, OK, we may not be able to play with them for a while, but let's just go play. Uh, that's my car on the porch. Mm-hmm. We're going to go sit over there with him because we know he can't leave. Yeah, exactly. And this is like learning people skills. Mm-hmm along the way while you're still a kid exactly life lessons life lessons life's lessons what what miguel said he's right Mm -hmm. and and we took for granted that you're learning all this just because you want to go outside and play yeah and you want to maximize the fun you can have playing yeah and you actually had the the advantage of going to different neighborhoods. Yes, what, I did. what stood out uh as you went to some of these different neighborhoods man i always thought that i grew up so poor and underprivileged and always thinking about what I didn't have until mm-hmm. going to the Herman Gardens to yeah. the Brewster's projects mm-hmm. and they stand in projects and 
we had a house. We was renting, but mm-hmm. I stayed in a house. I mm-hmm. had my own bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just little things like that. Like, wow. We ate Burger King or Church's Chicken every Friday. Mm-hmm. Every Friday, my mama got paid. We gonna, That was our treat. Mm-hmm. Kids didn't have that. We used yeah. to eat, fa- my whole family, cousins, aunties, uncles, we all got together over grandma house every Sunday and ate. I didn't know that until I got older and was telling people like, oh, I can't do that on Sunday. We doing this. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't do that. Or a family reunion every year. Some kids like I, I never been out of Detroit. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, we go every year. Yeah. So as a kid, I don't know if I showed the appreciation for it, but I, I, I just see that I had so much more than what I knew that I had. Mm-hmm. And and what led your mom into the Parks and Recs department? Oh, my mother was an athlete. She she had two girls to start um, for a long time. And she loved basketball. She loved Mm. volleyball. She loved baseball. Mm -hmm. So she wanted us to be in athletics. So I think that's what geared her to go into Parks and Recreation. She found a way where she can get paid and do what she liked to do all day. Paid for hooping. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. With, so. uh, with, yeah, while being with the kids, like yeah. Miguel said, that's Free right. That's cheating. Everything. That's cheating the system big time. That's winning. Hey, you got to make winning. it work. You got to make it work. Yeah, yeah, that's winning big time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was? Uh, so you said you you had another sister. Yes, I have a sister. Older, younger. Older. Okay, so you were the kid sister. I was the baby sister for 15 years, and then my mother had three sons after us. Wow. So we told her she finally got her basketball players. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Y'all, y'all was not taking to – it was like uh, – No, I mean, we played the game, but not like how she wanted it. We didn't want to be on teams. We want to play for fun. I don't uh, want to go to practice and none of that. So it was like it was like playing pickup with your mama was like intense. Oh, oh you ain't winning. You you ain't winning. She didn't let nah. she didn't let you all nah. win for fun. Nah. <laughs> she was like twelve she, to zip. Yeah, she ain't going easy on you. Hilarious. She ain't going easy. Hilarious. So uh being being a baby for that long and um in that household, uh you said the other creativity that that you kind of tapped into. Mm-hmm. Did you like uh, pick up more so that from from your older sister. Where did painting and and, and I art think my mom, my sister, she'll tell you she ain't good at nothing but working. She's an Hilarious. excellent employee. She's an excellent supervisor. Uh-huh. You know, but as far as the creativity, she didn't get that. Uh-huh. It was my mom. You know, hmm. my mama. She'd take something, and I'd be like, "What do you have on?" Uh-huh. But she done took she done took a dress, turned it into a shirt, done put on some leggings, a large belt, and I'm like, "What?" Uh but that was her you know what i'm saying and and she was confident in whatever she did i remember my mother was she was a real light-skinned woman and she loved purple eyeshadow and i'd be like mama why you got on that purple eyeshadow but the confidence that it gave her it didn't matter what i said she -hmm. did what she wanted to do and i think that's where i got that from you know no matter what nobody else's perception of it i'm gonna do something because it make me happy and if you can enjoy it or if you take something positive from it then that just make me feel that much better so i think i got that creativity from my mom all right so like art as a kid what were the arts that you were into (sighs) same thing like now i remember because i was always I'm rushing through stuff, rushing through stuff. And it may not have been neat, may not have been sloppy. So my mother, she picked up on that. And I used to love the color as a kid. I would love the color. Mm-hmm. So my mother would say, color this page and I give you $5 for it. Mm-hmm. You color it perfectly. You stay in the lines. I'm going to give you $5 for coloring. But mm-hmm. she would take away 25 cents for every time I went out of the line. Mm. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I'm just, I'm a color, I'm having fun, and I'm going to make some money. But to her, it was teaching her, I'm going to teach you responsibility. You do a good job, you're going to get paid. But you ain't going to get paid if you put anything together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got to take your time with it. You got to have some pride in what you're doing. And that was a very valuable lesson at a young age. And I I, I know I done told my husband that story, too. Mm-hmm. So, so, so as that carried, like, were you painting? Did you have, like, canvases as a kid? Were you painting? Were you... I was more... Um, or was it fashion? Was it hair? It was I know you fashion. mentioned hair. It was fashion and it was hair. But I used to like to draw on my clothes. I used to like to, you know... Y'all, y'all, my baby. It was a phase. But people used to airbrush and draw pictures all on their clothes, on their pants, on their shoes. I was that person. And my mama couldn't understand it. Why do you let why do you let people draw on your clothes? Or why are you writing on all of your clothes? And I'm like, Ma, this my this my creativity. This how I'm expressing Mm -hmm. myself. You know, Mm -hmm. so and and when did you did you were you doing it yourself? I was doing it myself and I had other people do it. Like mm-hmm. like I say, if you can do something and I didn't know how to do it, show me. So you because were like I a, learned uh, I'm a visual learner. So you do it mm-hmm. and I can implement it. But you gotta do it on me because I got to be able to practice when I'm at home away from you. So yeah. So that was like a, a Joanne Fabrics kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite store now, yeah. Okay, so even then you were like, Okay, let me get this, mm-hmm. let me get the little paint. Let me get let that. me let me figure this out with the with the uh with with definitely the, the bedazzle it. Everything. Me... Even nails. Back in the day I remember I used to do nails for five dollars and I was I would heat up an earring. Burn the end of the earring and stick it through the plastic of the nail. Now you got a dang, you got jewelry on your nails. Wow. That was back in, I was probably 12. Mm. We was doing the decals, the tattoos that you can put on your body. I was putting mm-hmm. them on people's nails. Cut them up, make them real small, dip them in mm. water, and put it on your nail. Mm. Marble, I mean, just And all that, of this was just trying it yourself. All of this was just see, not having the money. I ain't have money to go get my nails done. Mm-hmm. So now I got to see how I can do it with my own <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, with my own finances, I got 99 cents. I can go buy a yeah. pack of nails. Okay. But, you know, I can't. So mm. I don't got no acrylic. So we just going to file this into your nail bed and, mm-hmm. and shape it up, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was all it was all teaching me something. And it was all giving me passion to be creative, to do better. You know what I'm saying? So now I got to where I do have the monetary means that I can't, I don't have to take the shortcuts Mm. and the passion is there and the creativity is there. So now I get to create. So after Mumford, where, where are you at on your journey? Oh man. After Mumford, I, I exceed, I excel in everything I do. I've always been a good student, but I was always scared to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, which was probably me, putting a cap on my own expectations of what I can do. But mm-hmm. I always thought like, oh, I've gone to cosmetology school. Like anything, I'd be like, oh, if it's 12 months, I can do it. 12 okay. months or less, I can do it. I done been, uh, I'm a licensed pharmacy technician, a mm-hmm. licensed cosmetologist. So uh, a licensed hospice aide. Mm-hmm. So I had to see the end. Okay. I have to be able to actually visualize me working, being productive, and finishing okay. and being successful at the end. Okay. So I always took smaller steps to mm-hmm. achieve my goals, but everything that I've done, I've accomplished it. So, okay. yeah. So after that, you took the, you went into cosmetology or? Yep, I did uh, cosmetology first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, it was fun. I got to do what I was doing. 
anyway. Every day. I got so, to do what I was doing anyway. Did you go to uh, the Votex? Did you go to one of the Votex when you were No, when I was in high school, they wanted you to start out cosmetology in the ninth grade. Okay. And my junior high school went to ninth grade. So mm. I didn't start high school wow. until the 10th grade. I so went to Vulcan. Missed the, you missed the Votex because of that. Yeah, I missed the Votex. So then... Which led me into the hospice. I took home health care through mm -hmm. Voltec. And okay. that was only a two year program. So I was able to do that. And that's how I got into the healthcare. But hair was always something that I was passionate about since my childhood. Mm -hmm. So after high school, I'm like, oh, I ain't trying to, you know, wipe no butts and make no bed pants. I'm about to do something fun. I want to do hair. Yeah. Yep. So I found me the cheapest cosmetology school that was around. Okay. And because I was already doing it, I was so good. So mm -hmm. normally you had to have 200 hours before they put you on the floor. I was on the floor doing hair my first week. What uh, what shop did you start working at? Oh, man. I've worked at a few of them, but the one that I stayed at the longest would have been exclusive. What was the what was the first shop you worked at? Just just explain that culture, because as men, we we know the barber shop a little bit. But then if you've never been a barber, we kind of, I guess, understand the, the chair rent. And what, well, you, what was you the know first about shop? a hood. It was a hood shop. OK, okay. it was a hood shop. Unlicensed barbers, unlicensed okay. uh cosmetologist but it was it, what it was it was what it was we okay. we was hungry okay. you know we what nobody making too much money you know we all trying to build up our clientele uh -huh. so you know you're trying to be business during the day pretty much anything goes after six uh -huh. you know so uh but it was a family because okay. we was all working towards one common goal you know okay. what i'm saying so transitioning from that shop to your first shop where you were licensed oh, man. what was the difference much more professionalism. You had to step your game up. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to step your game up. You had to be more. Um, you had to manage your time better. Mm -hmm. um, you basically had to be more of a professional because now you are your own boss. And now I am a representation of the product that I'm selling. And who want to who want to sell uh, average product or a unprofessional product or something that's not put together. So I had to step up with using better product. I had to invest in myself. I went to start taking hair classes, going to hair shows, you know, seeing what other people was doing, seeing what I could bring back and I can implement. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, as th that's another one of the businesses that I really think uh, that exists heavy in our community. And it's funny. One, one of my homeboys uh, is... Um, he is a distillery owner and they've transitioned to making a lot of sanitizer mm -hmm. right, right, right now to address what's happening with uh, COVID-19 mm -hmm. uh, cleaning spaces. I mean, that, you see some of the sanitizer in that bottle now I'm spraying mm -hmm. everything down. But um, but in this in this world, I always look to stylists as like um, growing that clientele. I always wonder, like, how does that clientele grow? Because me, even as men, as barbers, like sometimes we'll have the same barber for like mm -hmm. 20 years. Yes. How do you grow clientele in a business where people are so loyal? Yes. To you have to be who consistent. You have to be consistent, you know, and then it's not just. Of course, they have to look, they have to love the final product. You have to yeah. love the hairdo, but it's not all about the hairdo. It's a part of the service. It's a part of the conversation. You know, it's a part of the listening, making your customer feel like they're the most important person. I love to see when my customers come in and they probably having a, a bad day or they, you know, 
they frustrated about something. And then as we get to talking, you can see the tenseness relax mm-hmm. a little more. Then halfway done, they relax a little more. Then by the end of the hairstyle, you know, they laughing. They don't forget about the stress that done brought them in. But I'm not done with their hair. They mm-hmm. ain't seen their hair. But the whole, their whole body just done relaxed. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's not just the service. It's the interaction with another person. Now, how did you even manage, like, in growing your business, what was it that you went in building it? Like, wh- oh. wh- how did you go about building it? Was it one of those things Promotions, where... Promotions, doing deals, advertising. Um, when I first started out, I did a lot of uh, two for one. Mm-hmm. What I did is I bumped my price up $20 for the price of one hairstyle. But I tell you, you bring a friend, she can get her hair done for free. So really, y'all can go in half on this hairdo. Uh-huh. So that's how I kind of did it. Um, and then how what how was uh I know you were growing it, mm-hmm. but how was the money coming in doing that deal? Oh, man. Basically, you ain't make no money to Friday or Saturday. I ain't mm. make booth rent to booth rent was due. Wow. You know, I ain't clear my hundred and twenty five dollars to the day that the hundred and twenty five dollars was due. Uh-huh. And luckily, I had I had some a good team when I first started out that was willing to work with me. They knew I was fresh mm-hmm. out of cosmetology school. And then they even told me they like mine. If you don't got no hair customers, the barbers is banging. Do manicures. You here all day. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just do the, do their nails to make. And I'm like, oh, you, I can. I, I can do that. Okay. So it, it kind of started. If you can't make money doing what you plan to do, don't let that time be in vain. Mm-hmm. Make some money doing something else while you're still there. I'm, mm-hmm. I was still advertising my hair. I was still available to do somebody's hair, but I used the skill that I had and the time that I had to still make money and represent what I wanted to do. And that makes sense. It, that that does make perfect sense because I think in in a position like that as we've all seen it too, especially in like the barbershop and the style in the salon, you know, it's the person that has clients coming back to back to back mm-hmm. to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Then it's the person sitting in the chair watching judge Mathis all day. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you get off your butt and you say, Hey, uh, can I offer your clients? I don't got none. Can I offer your clients a uh, shampoo their hairs for $5? Mm. He cutting their hair now. He mm-hmm. cutting their hair. You ain't cut, you ain't cutting in on his cutting hair. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He opened up that door. Nah, you still there for if somebody come in and want their hair cut. You still available. You still advertising yourself. But now you using your time wisely. Yeah, you making some money instead you're of some money. losing some money it's because you money. still you still paying yeah, the boot yeah, rent still, is due. It's due, <laughs> and you're not making no money. Exactly. And you waiting to make some money. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't limit yourself. If you saying I'm going in here to do this, you can't be closed eyed, closed mind with the tunnel vision and saying if I'm not doing this, I can't do nothing. Now, this is also interesting when we get into the the science of business, too, because sometimes in a business like cosmetology, where Mm -hmm. it is very competitive, Mm -hmm. but making sure you pay yourself and knowing budgeting, like budgeting is real. Like one of the things uh, your husband spoke to, like Mm -hmm. you learn, you know, street business is real business because you really need to know a lot of ethics. And one of the number one things is 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 net profit versus gross profit exactly you know you need to know how much you walking away with Mm -hmm. and and budgeting all that stuff because you're buying you're buying uh supplies you're buying utensils you're paying Mm -hmm. your booth rent like Mm -hmm. it 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 can kind of drift away from you you know you pay for that ad and cool seeds Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you can drift away from you like damn every minute i'm here i'm spending x amount of dollars yeah uh 
how did you set your prices and how did you know? And then also the other thing about, I think, being a stylist is like like a massage therapist. You can only get, it's only 24 hours in a day. Exactly. So you can only maximize so many clients. Even mm-hmm. if you say, I'm a hustler, I'm going to work mm-hmm. 15 hours a day for six days a week. And it's like, how long are you going to do that? Exactly. Before you burn yourself at both ends and your product lowers Mm -hmm. and you're going to lose all your clientele Mm -hmm. in the first damn place. Like, how did you set your price to know that you were making enough money? And then how did you continue to scale it up over time? Well, when you like I said, when I first was starting out, I wasn't making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I didn't spend anything other Mm -hmm. than, you know, I always had my products and always had what I needed to do. But all of the extras, you know, it was bag lunches and it wasn't going out, spending that extra money because I don't know when my next client going to book. So I had to just be disciplined myself and had to have self-control to not spend. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, like I said, I make my booth rent until the day of. But that day of, I will work myself because, like I say, I know the weekend I'm a bang, but Monday to Thursday, I might not have no clients. Mm -hmm. So I might not finish doing hair to 2, 3 in the morning. So I just, I was very disciplined and I worked myself to do what I had to do because the funds was not coming in. And that's deep that you talk about that because having that discipline, especially at a young age, because that's the party age. That's the... That's the it's Saturday. You can make money. Mm -hmm. But then your friends is like, let's hang out. But I've always even when I was young, I would prefer to have money than things. I tell my husband all the time, if I had six hundred dollars and I made ten more dollars, I'm going in there and I got to count out six hundred and ten dollars. I ain't going to just add the ten dollars. And that just made me feel good. Like, ooh, I'm saving. I'm doing it. I was doing it myself. Mm -hmm. I was my own bank before I me and him got different. Uh, <laughs> different opinions about business. about business and mm-hmm. well just not business banking okay um i agree with him on some of it but then mm-hmm. i know that this game we have to have uh collateral we have to have a bank account you have to do things a certain way mm-hmm. for certain entities or for you to be accepted or for you to even do certain to proposals get to certain things yeah, and i think different approaches things. i think different approaches is actually uh that is a strength yeah you know like i mean having different tools to yeah. handle different things and know? i think yeah that's why we balance each other because we think a lot alike but then we think independently too yeah so he can take from what i'm saying and i can take from what he's saying like i understand why he don't want to use a bank yeah and then i know now that me talking to him he understand why i want him too because what we want to do is so much bigger than like, yeah, we can finance a lot of stuff. But when you go into talking about stuff that we want to do along the lines of retirement, we need some extra money. You know okay. what I'm saying? So. So it's, it's some of those we're working things to towards think through. It. Yeah. Now, yeah. as you continue to grow, how did when did you decide to up your rates? When did you decide to change oh. your deals? And then, when I start investing in myself, like I say, mm-hmm. now I'm traveling, I'm taking class and I'm getting knowledge. Mm-hmm. This is a skill, mm-hmm. you know, so now I have to remake this money back for these extra skills that I'm getting. So once once I start investing in myself more, when I after, you know, you invest in yourself and you go into cosmetology school and that's that's a, that in itself is a thing. But when I went to taking classes and studying under other professionals, then I'm like, oh, you know what? This is this is a skill. I, I can't be giving away my skill for free. 
um, what what suggestions do you have for the young stylist or a person getting into that industry about um, one of the things you said is definitely controlling the variable of outflow of money mm-hmm. and that's budgeting. Yes, budgeting. And, and sometimes definitely I'm budgeting. surprised to know so many people that are, I guess they feel so shamed that don't even budget at all. They don't mm-hmm. even know how much money they have. Mm-hmm. They just eyeball, I got $500 yesterday. Yeah. So I know I got five, so I probably can spend this 200 yeah. without thinking to themselves, <laughs> DTE is coming up like yep. obviously in a couple of days. Yeah. So, you know, but um, budgeting definitely played a role. But along with budgeting, how did you plan out as time went on? Like what salon you want to work with? Uh, where do you want to where do you want to go? Uh, how do you want to place it? Uh, how to set up your time? Like how did you even budget your time as well? Because I know as you know, you weren't working till three o'clock in the morning no, all the time. No, uh-uh, just on the weekends. But I wanted to place myself. I knew I wanted to be in a salon that was already thriving, that mm-hmm. had um, walk-ins yeah. because I was building up my clientele. I didn't have a lot of people that was coming, but my people did. I had customer retention. Yeah. Now, the few, the three, four people that I did have, they came to me on a regular consistently. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you want to grow. So, I had to find a salon first that was close, that mm-hmm. I was accessible to me. Then they had to have a clientele already coming. So, they yeah, they had to have their own floor of traffic. So I wanted a salon that was getting walk-ins. Mm-hmm. So then, like I said, then the barbers was banging. So then I found a way to make money off of their customers. Mm-hmm. So now... Then word of mouth is is greatest. That was before social media. You know, mm-hmm. we was our own social media. You know, where you get your hair done? Oh, I go to old girl. Blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So I every week, you know, you just you had to up your game. F- had start making money when I didn't have no money coming in. Then mm-hmm. now people see me here and they know that I'm re- I'm responsible and I'm reliable. I take a chance on her saving my money so I can invest in myself and take classes. Then when I take classes, I can start charging more money. Now that I'm start charging more money and I see how much I'm paying you boofering in a year or two years. How about I just set up my own house? I'm mm. licensed. Mm. How about I set up my own house and now that 150 every week that I was giving to somebody else, I can just put on my light, and my water bill. And now mm. I don't have no overhead. Mm-hmm. Not all my money is my own. Mm. so you just I wouldn't say just jump all in and and try to take on everything some people can for me I couldn't I had to do everything one step at a time one foot in front of the other try this oh this didn't work or this did work okay now incorporate this or that bank your money now invest in yourself okay now you got this class now you got to pay for that class charge add 10 more dollars onto that service you know what I'm saying start doing lashes that's mm-hmm. something you can do real quick and you can make $25. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to constantly, constantly evolve. You have to constantly, constantly recreate yourself. So Now, as you're evolving and recreating, what impact is this having on your family? Is they seeing you grow in oh. a, as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Them was my them was my first clients, you know. Okay. I, I'm I practice everything on them, so they was loving it. Now okay. I get to get weaves, I get to get lashes, I get to get all of this stuff for free because mm-hmm. they was like my test dummies. My family, we've always been really close. They've always been really supportive. So, in that aspect, I was really blessed. I had always had more girls than men, so do, finding somebody's here to do for free was never an issue. Mm-hmm. Was never a problem, and. My mother, she always encouraged us. She always told us, you can do anything you put your mind to. Anything Mm -hmm. you put your mind to. So just having that 
you know, that reassurance behind you and then having people, you know, nah, somebody be like, oh, I don't let everybody in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't even want to be able to start right now because the girls, they so picky and they so it wasn't like that when I was growing up. You know, it was more a sense of community and we was all mm-hmm. willing to help each other. So, um, yeah. And also, like now you're married, but at that time, I'm guessing you were single. What is it like being an entrepreneurial woman? Because I know that even changes a dating like a woman with a job is different than a than an entrepreneur. Mm hmm. And not saying that it's better or mm-hmm. it's worse, but it's just different. Mm-hmm. So what was that like in in that world, too? I've always worked a job, too. Mm. I've always had my side. What I'm I'm always going to do something on the side, but I'm a firm believer in it. You you can't do just one thing. Mm. You can't just do one thing. You got to have more than one avenue. OK. You know, um, that's the saying you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, because I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to get bored. I don't want to be content. So if I'm always busy, you know what I'm saying? I can never get bored. Okay. Even when I'm painting, I, I work on multiple babies because mm. I might just get tired of looking at that face working on it. But I still want to be creative. I still want to make the most use out of my time. Where Where were you working? Oh, when are you speaking of younger? <laughs> yeah, I've worked younger. so much. I've I've worked a job ever since I was twelve years old. Wow! My first job I had when I got my check, I couldn't even cash my check because I was in junior high school, and in junior high school they didn't give you ID. You gotta go to yeah. You so go when to we all tr- went with our bank, we all had our little three hundred dollar checks, and we all went to the bank. They denied us all. They thought somebody was scamming, writing bad checks. You got that right. We all had to deposit it into somebody else's account, let it clear, money. and get our money. because. But I've been working ever since I was 12 years old, and right now I'm 42. Mm. So where where were you working at the time and growing your your business as a stylist? Growing my business as a stylist? That, when I was growing my business as a stylist, I was not working because mm-hmm. now that's I was young. I say I was in my early 20s and here was my only form of money. My husband mm-hmm. told me then he said, man, you used to have more money then than you had now. See, now that, but that's, that's because Miguel, I was disciplined. I mindset. was disciplined and <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't I was building my clientele and I didn't yeah. know where my next money was coming from. Yep. So the money that I got, I'm saving it. My bills paid. I got food to eat. I don't need to go buy no shoes. I don't mm-hmm. need to go out to no movies or if somebody want if I somebody better take me but mm-hmm. i'm content with having my money knowing i got knowing that my bank account is stacking and growing mm-hmm. so i was really disciplined when i was starting out so I, I just i didn't spend and what was the shift that said okay i'll take this job like what it had to almost be a job worth taking to when i started when i got into a relationship that's what mm-hmm. when i got into a relationship i was like you know free time is the is the devil's playground mm-hmm. so i was like you know i need to not be so available to all of my male friends that was just calling and coming over and that I was Mm. spending time with. I wanted to grow our relationship. So I had to be different. Mm. So that's what I did different. I I never stopped doing hair, but I occupied that down space that I had. And, and still continuing to cultivate the dials. How did you, how did you get into the dials? Oh man. So I just recently got into the dials probably almost three years ago Mm -hmm. and just happened being on YouTube and um I seen this uh I seen a lady with a lifelike reborn dial and I just could not believe it. It looked so real. Mm-hmm. It looked so real and I couldn't believe that it was a baby dial. So I was like, wow. And then I went to looking into it and I'm like, dang, these dolls cost how much? Eight hundred, fifteen hundred dollars for a baby doll. These women crazy, mm-hmm. but they were so real. I just found myself being intrigued, watching videos two, three, four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. 
because they just so lifelike. They move so real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, weighted and they wiggly yeah. and jiggly. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, real. So I'm like, real. I was just fascinated, you know, uh-huh. with the creativity of it all. So I'm like, you know, the wheels went to turning, wheels went to spinning. So then I'm like, shoot, if these women is making these dolls and they making this kind of money off of these dolls, I need to get down on that. That's something I can do. I, I I think that's kinda that's kinda cool. How did you go about the marketing research? Um, I dove head in. Like I said, when I when I fell in love with them, I was up researching two, three, four, sometimes not even going to sleep till five, six o'clock Miguel, in the morning. I know Miguel was like, What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On online, you know, everywhere, everywhere that I possibly seen them. I'm talking, I'm trying to get in touch with, and I'm just a new person. They don't know me. I'm reaching out to prototype artists, you know. (laughs) I'm reaching out to prototype artists because Mm -hmm. I want to know. I want to know from you. I want to know from the old schools that's been doing it for 10, 15 years. Uh So, and that's how I did it. Now, uh, did you, the, the market for that? Like um, when you made your first dial, w- was it one of those things that like is it an online marketplace? Did you go to like a show to sell? Like how did no, you? No, I sold it. Um, I sold my first dial from my YouTube channel. When I first started my YouTube channel, I made my YouTube channel just to advertise my dial. I mm-hmm. made a dial for myself and I made one for my aunt. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to interact with my dial. I do role play videos and stuff like that. And so. As I painted those dolls, I painted my first two, and I was like, oh, that was cool. I like them. And the second dial looked better than the first dial. I'm going to paint another one. Okay. And then, then someone reached out to me and was like, is that baby for sale? Are you an artist? And so I'm the, like, wow. So the market came to you before you even went to market. Yes. She wasn't even trying to sell. Yeah. You were just doing it as a hobby at first. Yeah, just then doing it, it like as a hobby, second. just because I and fell you, in love and with And because them. you fell in love, you already knew and did the research, like, your marketing research was really from a place of of interest. Of interest, just of interest. So yep. you knew what the going rate was. Yeah. You knew how much the parts was, where to get all of the pieces from, and then. So when yep. the person said, "Is that for sale?" You knew to say twelve hundred dollars or whatever you know the rate is. Yeah. Well, this one teeth telling me you need to charge more. You need to charge more. I said I can't charge what a prototype artist charging, baby. I can't do that. Why not? <laughs> I, let me ask you that. Why do you think you can't? Well, that's just like right now. We can go out and we can drive all of the cars that we talk about wanting mm-hmm. to have. But I think that we ain't saved enough. We ain't worked hard enough to live that lifestyle yet. That's You got to earn that. You got to deserve okay. it. Okay. You know? So so, so that first sale, how did you go about? Uh, because then this is the other thing it when it comes to product, products. It's like you got to do packaging. You got to yes. think about labeling. Like it's almost like when you have something somebody wants, it's like that 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 aunt that makes a great pie. Yes. And it's like, yo, people will buy these pies. But selling the pie versus like coming over and eating your aunt's pie is completely, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like now you got to package it. You got to you got to figure out what shipping is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? How did you manage all the other business? Man, because I had did my research. Okay. I knew that the baby, people love the baby, but they love what they call a box opening, which is basically a baby shower in a box. You're uh-huh. going to get, you spending so much money on the baby that now we're going to shower your baby yeah, with all of these gifts. Like, yeah, it's not like buying, um, yeah. 
It's not like buying the 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 dial at at Family Dollar. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I seen that. I was like, okay, okay. So how about? Because not every artist offers a box opening. How about if I offer all my babies to go home with a box opening? Because I'm a new artist. I'm not mm. well known. So how can I draw in people to want to purchase kinda, from that me? That same method that you learned in, as a stylist. Like the whole, I'm going to charge a little bit more and say two for mm-hmm. one. But in reality, I'm not taking too much of an L. I'm not. Yeah. I got you. So, so that's how I sold them on the box openings. But then I'm like, I don't have no money to invest in going to buy all these clothes and bottles and pacifiers. So went a little further. So what I started doing was start registering like I was having a baby. I mm. registered at Target, Bye Bye Baby, everywhere they had, you could register yeah. for baby products. And I went and I picked up my free gift. Mm. I had my friends go and register and go and pick up their hey. free gift. Yeah. And I, when I got home, I went, broke it down, separated it. It came with pacifiers, bottles, burp rags, like all the little stuff for babies. Yeah. And I put that stuff in my box openings. So I was able to send my babies home with a box opening that I didn't have to pay nothing for. Now, let me ask you this about the market for that. As you were very interested, who is the market? Like who's oh, you'd who, be surprised. Who's buying most of the dials? M- men. Men? Women. Women? Kids. Okay. Grandmothers. Hmm. Um, empty nesters. Hmm. Um, women with infertility issues. Mm-hmm. Um you know, women who uh, nursing homes, yeah, nursing homes, to the nursing homes yeah, babies. comfort, mm. cuddle babies, and therapy dolls. Mm. But you'd be surprised. I mean, from ages from three to eighty. Wow, men and women. <laughs> so, and, and now you have faith and justice here. Yeah, is that like also a part of it, like a naming and giving? Definitely. A lot. Like it's a lifestyle. Does... It is a whole entire lifestyle. So you can't just. It's nice to have a lifelike baby that looks real, mm-hmm. but you know my babies have a whole nursery. I have a whole room dedicated to my baby dolls in my house that an infant live baby can come and live in. And I'm sure that even helps with the YouTube and the promotion. It helps with the YouTube because. Almost in this world of content creation and mm-hmm. content marketing, um, people themselves and the lifestyle around mm-hmm. whatever that business or you have service to visually is, sell the product. Is, yes, yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's almost like the day of like if I buy barbecue from somebody, I want to know that you know this person really makes barbecue yes. nowadays. It's not yeah. like the day of like is this good barbecue? Mm-hmm. It's like do they live barbecue? Mm-hmm. You know? So my babies, they 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 not just dressed up baby dolls. My baby got on shoes, a whole mm-hmm. diaper, a whole onesie underneath, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's everything. She got her pacifier that's clipped to her. She got a break. It's the whole visual, the car seat and she not just in the car seat, she's strapped in the car seat. Wow. You know, so it's the whole visual aspect of it. You you selling the whole pack you're not just selling a dial so at this point what's the vision do you see what where do you see expanding this business i want to be a prototype artist i really want to be a prototype artist i want to have sculptors seek out my work um Mm -hmm. so basically a prototype is the when they first sculpt the the pieces Mm-hmm. I want to be that artist that they send the pieces to and they say, bring it to life to make other artists want to buy my sculpt. Mm. So I want to be that person. And um, so that's what now I've been investing my time and my energy with, of course, practicing and studying with other prototype artists. I take classes from them. Mm. You know, I email with them. I talk to them. So 
basically I built up a relationship, you know, with these artists that are reputable already reputable they're already known mm -hmm. so you know it's kind of like I, i'm guilty by association so uh so this kind is of, th and this is so unique because i didn't know this existed like i'm i'm a kid of that era where like cabbage patch died. yes like i i had a cabbage patch like, yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. my sister definitely and it came yeah. with the name and it expands like into this world yeah. of like of of like how long is this culture exist? And I guess this is what makes life so unique mm -hmm. because it's like whole worlds exist that mm -hmm. you just know nothing of. But in the end, and then in, in that same breath, it's a circle because, mm -hmm. like you say, Cabbage Patch dolls were the elite of dolls back in the True. day. True. They were like the life. They were like a real baby. They came yeah, with the birth the certificate. Yeah. They had the they had the diapers. So the world just went in a circle. It's the mm -hmm. same thing, just a different bag. Everything is, is, but is that's constantly a lot more evolving. Detailed than a yes. cabbage patch. Yes. And it's not mass produced. They're all handmade. So it's almost like a uh, what is that? Like a Rolls Royce almost. Like um, a, definitely. From like and so top to bottom. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you can make them. They can be custom made. So you can come to me and you can tell me I want this color skin tone, or can mm -hmm. you make this kind of birthmark like my baby had, or mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So it's so many different ways that you can make them. You can customize them. You know. So what? Um. And have you had repeat customers? Yes, I've had one. The person that bought my first baby, she has three of my wow. babies. Wow. Yeah. She has three, and I love her for that. Shout out to Ella Bean. Thank you, Ella Bean. Are, are most people based in the in the Detroit area? Are they absolutely the world? not? I've never sold a baby. Have I sold some one to someone in Detroit? I don't think I don't think I've. Oh well, that wasn't in Detroit. That was mm -hmm. Roseville. So um, I have sold four babies in Michigan, but mm -hmm. all my babies have gone to other states. Mm. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, we got babies in Wisconsin, Texas, Tennessee, um, New York. Um, mm, that's all that I can think of right now. But yeah, and are people because the same way that you? Oh, in Spain, the the international, <laughs> and the, the same way that you were studying this. Uh, have people turned around like with your content creation and started asking you questions? How did yes. you get into mm -hmm. this? I are you going to start this. doing tutorials yeah. or do you, are you, will you do classes or are you going to be, cause I do a lot of the dial shows. I go to the mm -hmm. dial shows. Are you going to be doing a, a, a class at the show? And I tell them like, I don't think I'm ready to give a class. And everybody like, yes, you are. Hmm. Yes, you are. I have another artist that I was studying. Um, her name is Julia Crystal for Offer Reborns. Shout out, Julia. Um, thank you so much. She's trying to encourage me, her and her mom. They're mm -hmm. trying to encourage me to get a booth at one of the shows. And I was like, Crystal, I, you know, I still look at myself like I'm a new artist. She like, so what? You good. Yeah. You know, it don't matter. You good. And I, I know somebody else is probably telling you that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Now this is this is also unique. Um how how do people get in contact with you? How do people find out about this? Well, I am on Facebook at my nursery page. My business nursery is Twice a Child Reborn Nursery on Facebook. I am on Instagram at Twice a Child. Um on Instagram and then I am on YouTube as First Time Reborn Mom. That's the number 1 S T capital T I M E 
R-E-B-O-R-N space M-O-M. So I sell from those three platforms and I have um, an email address at twiceachild at yahoo.com where I can be reached. Um, So yeah, I just use social media, but mainly a lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is word of mouth or it's like I've seen you've done a baby for such and such. I'm getting a baby. Uh, can you do it? Like I've gotten deposits before I've even gotten to people's work. I would assume that that business yeah. is definitely because they want to lock you better. in. Yeah, they want to lock I, you in. I would before. definitely do that in that business. <laughs> yeah. They would. De- they definitely lock you in. But mm-hmm. it's just like any anything else. It, we got dolly scammers. You know, mm. grown women, grandmas trying to scam people for baby dolls. I mean, mm. it's it's cutthroat. I can imagine. My husband, he didn't believe. He like, man, them women, them old women over there beefing and arguing over baby dolls. I'm like, it's deep. You, could, it's I like high school. It. I can believe it. Yeah, I mean, it's like high school. It's, it's human behavior still. Yep. It's, it's, it's a it's whole nother behavior. world. But And I, before I knew about it, I didn't think it was this big. But now mm. you go to shows and you see 5,000, 10,000 wow. people. Wow. And it's like. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Um, and, and a capture market. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was great interview. You you kind of already know what my what my Detroit is different questions will be. Yeah. Uh, but still, I got to ask them all the Go time. Ahead. Um, very first car, uh, year making model. And what year did you get? It? So I was so young. I got my first car before I even had my license. Okay. My mother bought it for me because let's see, I was in 10th grade. Mm. So I had to be like 14 because I graduated mm. when I was 16. Wow. So um, I had to be like 14 mm. and it was a, a Chevette. Red. No, it was orange. Mm. It was no, it was tan with one orange door. Hey, it is what it or is. Or it was you orange with one tan door. Okay. Well, anyway, it was a Chevette. Uh-huh. And my mother bought it in Canada for $200. Mm. It had a hole in the flow. I I would eat it. And when I had trash, I would just drop it because it just dropped right out to the floor. Okay. But my mother got me the car and I was underage. But she she had taught us how to drive. I had been driving since I was like eight or nine. Mm. She My mother taught us how to drive when we was real young. Um, That's the Alabama in your mama. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So she taught us how to drive real young. So... And she knew that I was responsible. So that part wasn't it. She got me the car because I kept missing the Voltec bus. When mm. I was going to Voltec for my home health care, I had to walk to school. And then the Voltec bus probably was leaving at like seven in the morning. I kept missing it, kept missing mm-hmm. it. My mom was like, you're not failing this class. So she bought me a little $200 car and I was able to go to Voltec and do what I had to do. So, okay. A Chevette. So what was the first place you went when you got it? Oh, man. I think I went and registered for school mm. and I got into an accident. So the first place. Oh, man, I, I know a person is like hitting a 14 year old. It's like, what in the hell? But it wasn't my fault. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. So I had to register for school. And then my mama had gave me a certain time to be back with the car. Mm-hmm. Of course, after I done registered, uh-huh. uh, I'm talking to my friend. So I'm getting close to my uh-huh. deadline. I'm like, dang, I got to get back because, you uh-huh. know. Mama done gave me this car, but if I don't follow her rules, oh, it ain't no more car. She gonna take the keys. Yeah, and I'm surprised your friends wouldn't like free ride. Right. <laughs> so, but this is registration day. We ain't started. First Still day. Like free ride. Let's go. To so McDonald's. I'm on my way home. Let's go to Coney Island. Let's go somewhere. Man, it's a parked car and it's a car in the middle of the street. You know how you talk to you, somebody stop in the middle of the street. They mm-hmm. talking, conversating. So I blow my horn. Mm-hmm. They ain't move. They blow my horn. Oh, I'm more scared of my mama than I'm more scared of people in the street. I got to get home. Interesting. So I squoze in between. I scratched up both them cars. Oh, man. 
oh. first accident. Oh, I know. They was like, oh, yeah. my God. They, they should have got out of the they street. They saw you. Like, yeah, I know. But they probably <laughs> saw the girl. Thank God you weren't a guy. Because that, <laughs> that whole situation would have went left. <laughs> Man, I scratched up both them cars. But that was my first little accident. Um, so next question. Uh, and then also Alabama. Whereabouts in Alabama? I didn't even ask that. Where Where is your family from? Oh, Miguel, do you know? Alabama. No, I cause everything I got in my mind. I'm thinking about Mississippi. Um, mm, his people, mm-hmm. because no, you said your people from Alabama. Yeah, came mine this from way. Alabama. His from Mississippi. Are they still? Are any of them still there? No, now they've we've my, they've migrated everywhere else, but no one is left in Alabama. Mm, okay. Yeah, no one's left in Alabama. Okay, okay, yeah. and that's what that makes sense. Why it's like you didn't? Yeah, even touch I can't. It. I can't remember. It's like they was like we getting out of Alabama, mm-hmm. we're going other places, mm-hmm. Chicago, place. you know, Detroit. Mm-hmm. We got some in California, Wisconsin, Tennessee, mm-hmm. St. Okay. Louis. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, next question. Mm-hmm. You're the DJ, uh, Detroit Fireworks. Uh, you get to play three songs, Woodward and Jefferson. What three songs are you playing? Oh, man. I'm a pink lover, so I got to play some pink. I will play Hustle by Pink. Okay. Um, The next one, I would say, uh, mm. You can feel it, huh? Just can't say the words. No, because it got to be something good. Like... It gotta be, but I'm an old school lover. So hey, it don't make a difference. I'm old school. I like some uh, man. Anything Lauren Hill, anything Sade, anything Anita Baker, mm-hmm. anything, uh, anything Jill Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And last question: If mm-hmm. you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who'd it be and why? One Detroiter, mm. 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 yeah, one Detroiter because I got I got certain things. I wanted to be a woman. Got to be a woman. Got to mm-hmm. represent. Okay. You know, then it can't just be any woman. It got to be a woman with some type of Detroit influence. Then I don't want to say she just got to have Detroit influence. She got to have something that she's actually done and returned back to the city. So I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I done came across three, but I said no to them immediately. Bam, no. Aretha, I like her, no. Anita, I like her, no. Uh, What's the white girl name? Madonna, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy, like whichever one of them is from Detroit. Madonna. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Right off the back, no. Um... What's our councilwoman name? I'm liking her right now. Brenda Scott. Mm-hmm. I'm liking her right now. Um, she's doing great things and she's young enough to continue. So mm-hmm. I'm liking her. Um, just, one. Mm, just one. I wasn't sure, but okay, I'll settle on her. I'll settle on Brenda, her. Okay, Brenda, Brenda Jones. Scott. Brenda, Brenda Jones. Jones. Okay. Brenda Scott. Rest in peace. But Brenda Jones. Okay. Brenda Jones. That's, yeah. I, I, I know Brenda. I will let her know she's. Yes. I've met her on two occasions and I, I like what she represents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's a, most of all, she's about her community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Beyond her self agenda, mm-hmm. she's more about the community. And, and I, I see that in her spirit, in her mm-hmm. words. You know, okay. her actions speak through her words. So definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that works. That works. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Faith and Justice, you know, anytime.
Okay, yeah, we learned a lot about the world you're in now. So much power. Uh, people will be able to see from this interview. I'm going to get more information. We're going to post it up. Okay, thank Peace you be. so much. Peace. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.